You're listening to an Artache podcast. We often separate creative outputs, sculpture from photography, sound from painting, and in the wider creative industries, we compartmentalize artists into industry, musicians, fashion, and artisan. It's part of our human condition to box and categorize, to make order from the chaos. Interestingly, social media plays an enormous part in blurring these boundaries. When a painting is fed to us on the same pixelated surface as a photograph, our engagement with the artwork aligns. A crossover too often ignored is between textile and fashion design. Textile is a discipline in itself, and when presented via functioning items of clothing, becomes an incredibly powerful mechanism for storytelling. Juliet Hogan is a name synonymous with streamlined contemporary women's wear. The brand has been established for over 15 years now, with her first store opening in Ponsonby, Auckland in 2007. But did you know, Julia initially trained in textile design, a love of which plays a key role in the creative development of her lines every season. Today we'll be talking about the core creative behind Hogan's work, the artists she works with to develop her textile designs, what inspires her, and her heritage that has made her the woman she is today. Hi Juliet, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. You grew up in the rural South Auckland district of Karaka. Your mother taught you to sew. This sounds like a very idyllic situation. What was your childhood like in Karaka? I loved my upbringing in my childhood. I come from a very um, special family. I think I've got a great relationship with my parents and my siblings. And I think part and parcel of that is the way that mum and dad chose to bring us children up um, and the love that they shared for us and the encouragement that they gave to us and that we could grow up to be whatever we wanted. Um, Our childhood was very... um, low-key as such. We lived in the country. We kind of had to self-entertain as such. Mum was a creative person to some extent, and so was Dad. When I say to some extent Mum, I don't look at Mum now and say that she is a creative person, but she was a very kind of craft-oriented person. And I think when we were children, the ability to purchase um, in the way that we can these days wasn't there. So Mum made all of our children's clothes. We made Play-Doh. We did um, leaf wax images with the iron and greaseproof paper and we did creative creative things like that growing up and mum invested a lot of time and energy into us she didn't work until or she worked and then took um leave when we were children and didn't go back until my younger brother was I think at intermediate I can't recall and then dad um dad's actually a barrister so he worked from home so he was really present in our Um, upbringing but he is probably more creative now than what I would describe mum in the sense that dad loves woodwork and he's always turning he's got a lathe set up in the workshop and he's always creating wooden bowls or beautiful wooden cowrie tables he brought a slab of cowrie actually that he's had cut into three three slabs for each of us children to have dining tables at home so he's he's kind of got a really creative um an output an output yes yes yeah sounds really beautiful Do you think your use of natural fabrics, silk, cotton, linen, New Zealand merino and wool, and neutral tones, and your preference for strong, paired-back design is informed by your heritage in Karaka? 
To some extent, yes. I again talking about mum being creative. She we used to have sheep um, on our one acre section, and they were shared. And mum would collect gorse flowers, and she would boil the water and dye the dye the yarn, dye the wool yellow to or green to match the gorse flowers and then she would spin it and then she would knit it and she would make us jerseys out of it which were horrible to wear and they were so incredibly scratchy and I couldn't wear wool as a child but I love using wool now so yes there was I don't know whether it directly has influenced my love of natural fibres now but I have a real sensitivity to um, the feel and the drape of of garments and I think natural fibres have a beautiful tendency to allow you to feel um, very luxurious wearing them and that's not to say there's some not some manufactured fibres coming through like the development of um, man-made fibres is so wonderful these days and there's some really great kind of polyesters and tricetates and um, created fabrics that are coming through that mimic the properties of those natural fibres but I don't think anything will ever compete with the way that silk feels or a merino or a cashmere feels against the skin. Or a, or a homespun from your oh, mother. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, like there would be little bits of gorse in there. How incredible though. Yeah, very cool. Like So my, there's that, um, the log flume in, in Rainbow's End where you go through and there's all the <laughs> old people you know doing things and there's a woman spinning and every time we went on the log flume my cousins would be like there's Auntie Janet and the, you know doing her spinning in the corner of the room. So, wow that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Um, your interest in the fashion world was spawned by a passion for sewing which led to a degree in textile design which for me is a, an interesting development. Did you did you paint prior to going into textile design? So as you said earlier in the introduction, mum taught me how to sew when I was 12. She taught me and my sister both how to sew and I just loved it and I had the patience for it and really enjoyed the process and kind of explored it more so. Um, I didn't study home economics, which what which is what it was called back when I was at school, at, at high school. So I didn't do any creative subjects. I did drama, um, which I, for people that know me, like it doesn't, resonate with who I am at all um, but in my sixth form year at school I went back and did school C art and I actually came top of school for um, school C art back then so that was my first foray into kind of painting and creating at a level that wasn't kind of mucking around at home and I loved it and I really enjoyed kind of the use of um, colour and tone and creating um, shapes and and I guess it was sort of understanding how colours worked with each other. And then I also studied photography at high school as well. So prior to doing textile design, I hadn't really experienced too much creative output as such. Um, I was looking at doing fashion. I was actually looking at also doing hospitality. I desperately wanted to be a chef. Mm-hmm. Um, so And I was... Um, guided into doing a design degree that specialised in textiles by my high school teachers because they thought that a design degree was slightly more versatile than a fashion degree as such. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. What does a textile design, what does what does a degree in textile design encompass? Um, so it was studying, it was a four-year degree down at Massey University and it was back when I studied it uh, 17 years ago or so. Um, it was very much about creating, creating fabrics as such. So there was two parts to it. There was printmaking, so which was actually designing designing um, patterns and prints that were then put onto pre-existing fabrics. But then there was also a knitting aspect, which was when we were des- um, designing knits as such, but also 
um, subjects that we did were, that were like felting. So we did felting of fabrics, we did rug making, we did weaving, we did a whole array of what I would consider quite craft-based disciplines, but in a textile um, environment. That sounds amazing. And of course, textile and, and craft-based type processes are really coming into the front row in fine art these days. So it's yeah. so interesting to hear. And making your own felt. Yeah, it was fascinating. I loved, I found it an incredibly inspiring course to be part of, but it was interesting how every subject and every paper and project that we did, I always found a way to bring it back into clothing. So whenever I was creating something, I would then reinterpret it into a clothing sense for the final project, if that made sense. So yep. I was always bringing it back to fashion. Yep. Um, that's where my love was. I was never kind of involved or interested in kind of creating textiles for interior or creating textiles for artwork. It was always to kind of bring back to the clothing aspect. Which is an interestingly beautiful progression from your mother creating your jumpers and yeah. dyeing them to yeah. then, you know, fine-tuning that through learning about textiles. Yes. I can begin to see your story. Mm. So you then won a fashion scholarship to Parsons School of Design in New York, which is no small feat. For those who don't know, Parsons has been a pioneer in art and design education since its inception. It's spearheaded new movements in, in teaching methods and has propelled art artists and designers creatively and politically. It's basically the elam of America to place it in a local context. How did this come about? So in my final year of study down in Wellington, there was a um, scholarship that was advertised in the Pavement magazine and it was called a Dare to Be scholarship. So it was run in the association with Steinlager and Karen Walker and it was Dare to Be or Dare to Be whoever. They had done a, a few um, prior scholarships but this one was specifically aimed at fashion with the recipient of the scholarship going across to Parsons School of Design. So I created a mini collection, I think it was three three full outfits and they got sent up with a whole lot of kind of um, hard material as well, so um, design brief, design, I can't even remember, um, writing about the collection and figuring out who or what we would do if we were to receive the scholarship and that got sent off and was judged by Karen Walker actually and I was fortunate enough to receive the scholarship so a massive massive um that's yeah it was huge like it was a huge a huge thing for me to win I can imagine what was the experience like for you as a rural gal from Caraca suddenly moving to the uh groovy New York City. Yeah, so it was fairly <laughs> terrifying. Um, I had done a little bit of travel prior to that, but I'd never been to America or a huge big city. So I flew over, I was must have been 21, 22, um, flew over by myself and landed in New York and had to navigate my way to the student accommodation. And it was terrifying, to be honest. Like it was, a, I found it really overwhelming going from a university in Wellington where I studied textile design with a couple of fashion papers to be studying in the final year of the Bachelor of Fashion at one of the world's top to um, fashion skills at that time so um, had a, quite a bit of anxiety and loved it and hated it and loved it um, loved what it enabled me to become and what it enabled me to experience and kind of see what 
fashion students were studying on an international stage. Um, felt incredibly proud of the education that I had received in New Zealand in the sense that I was not out of my depth by any means. Um, and so I felt really proud and probably had skills in areas that some of the students didn't have skills in, where in New Zealand we're very much taught to be very well-rounded. So we understand the um, design and concept, the um, flat pattern making, the construction, and then the end use, whereas I understood American students to be very much focused on the illustration. So I think in American companies you are the designer, right? So you create the concept and then you pass on the imagery to other people to um, interpret and make the final product. So their illustration skills were next level amazing. Like you could look at a dress and understand what it would be and somebody could go off and create it. Whereas in, in New Zealand, um, companies are generally much smaller and so we're expected to be jack of all trades and be able to do everything. So I came over being able to do everything. Um, whereas my class peers couldn't really sew, which really surprised me that people at that level of a um, fashion degree couldn't really put together a, a garment. Um, but it was fascinating seeing the illustrations and understanding how important it was to be able to illustrate your product, to be able to get it across the line. And that's not, I'm not a great illustrator by any means now because I haven't had to be one, but it was a, a really interesting experience. That's interesting to me as that definitely crosses over with a lot of the creative fields, I think, coming from New Zealand, needing to be uh, very well-rounded in yes. terms of the economy here just needs you to be able to do a lot of things um, as opposed to a bigger economy where you can actually just compartmentalise and just do one thing. Yeah, and I think it's also part of the New Zealand psyche, right? Like we're quite humble. We want to be able to do everything. We wouldn't expect us, we wouldn't expect somebody else to be able to create what we, or execute what we have created um, whereas over there it's very much you are the designer and you would not get your hands dirty doing something else. Wow, yes, yeah. completely get that. What, what, would, um, what, would, what were some of the key learnings for you from that experience? I think I took more and less learnings about the fashion industries and more personal learnings um, from my time I spent in America. Um, I very much learned that I had to fight my own battles, that things weren't going to be handed to you on a silver platter, that if you wanted to achieve something you needed to go off and achieve it yourself. You're a very small fish in a very big pond over there and if you don't look after yourself then there's not necessarily somebody else that's going to come along and pull you up and help you out. So it gave me a huge amount of strength and insight before coming home and starting my label. Um, yes. I wouldn't swap my time over there for the world. I think it has had a great um, influence on who I am as a designer. I think when you look at the designs that I produce, they probably are more tailored to the American market than they would be to the British market. And I think I can only presume that's because I was immersed in that culture for a time that was incredibly influential um, before starting my label. Very sage uh, wisdom and yeah, that's very true. Um, talking about your studio a little bit more now and where you're based here, you're based, your studio is based in Mount Eden. You manufacture almost all your garments locally using local fabrics and suppliers. How hard is it to maintain that level of ecology in your industry? It the moment right now I feel it's fairly easy to maintain it. I'm a very patriotic New Zealander. Um, I love the country that I've grown up in and I'm very grateful for the opportunities that we have as individuals in New Zealand and I firmly believe that the money that my business is putting into an economy should be going into our own economy, that we should be creating an environment or looking after our industry and ensuring that it has um, the best possible 
hope of surviving in saying that it is our, the manufacturing industry in New Zealand is an ageing one um, and there isn't the resources coming through to be able to maintain it. So at some stage in the future we will potentially have to look at making offshore, um, which we would do if it meant the survival of our company. Um, but I, my values are so strong in the sense of who I am is so strong and what I, I have a huge clarity about what our business stands for and who I am as a businesswoman and I will ensure that the companies that we use offshore will follow those same values that we have, that they look after their employees, that they look after their environment and do the best possible job of making um, a really safe and sustainable environment to work within. That's really important and it's it's so important with the way things are moving forward commercially and the only way to make change is to do exactly what you're doing and that is to make change. And it's very easy to do it when you believe it so intrinsically. Like it's not me putting on a front at any by any means, it's actually who I am as a person and I feel really proud of the decisions that we make as a company. What are the key factors that enable you to maintain this successfully? I think I'm very sensible when it comes to business decision making. Um, I am the sole owner of the company, so I get to be in charge of all the decisions that we make, so I'm not having to deal with investors and what their hopes and dreams are. Um, I get to ensure that whatever we do does sit in line with my values. I think surrounding yourself with people that share the same values enable you to live and breathe those values more. and it just is something that I really believe in, so it's easy to kind of maintain and make successful. I understand that. What I find especially interesting about your work is how your artisan pedigree in textile, your understanding of colour and texture is expressed through your collections. I was surprised and delighted to discover that you're often inspired to create an entire line based off a painting. Can you tell us more about the process of creating textile designs for your garments? Sure. So it's definitely developed and changed over the 15 years that I've been doing it as I have become a more established designer and experienced and are in the position now that I can um, collaborate in a much easier and more meaningful way than I was when I was a much younger designer. Um, Given my history in textile design, that's generally where my creative thoughts start when pulling together a collection like the favourite part of design for me is making sure or choosing the colours and making sure that the tones all sit together and choosing the fabrications and ensuring that there's a really nice juxtaposition between um, beautiful silky um, silks or flat cottons or cotton lawn so and then some kind of chunkier more textural pieces as well so that when you're looking at a collection it tells a really nice story and you're kind of you're drawn to the pieces because you want to touch them so that's where my love for design starts is is pulling together that palette and pulling together those fabrics and then from there they generally when I talk about they the fabrics kind of tell me what they want to be made into like you can find a fabric we're designing next summer's collection at the moment so spring summer 20 and we're looking at fabrics we're in the very early stages of the design um, and there's fabrics that we find and we're like that dress needs to be made oh sorry that fabric needs to be made into a dress like this and it's really nice to be almost dictated to by the fabrics early on in my design career so when I was at university um computers were only just kind of becoming the norm so I did all my print design learning um, through cut and paste as such um, 
manually and it's very much done by computer now so early on in the piece I um, freelanced to print designers to be able to pull together prints for me and more recently we have had print designers come in and work for us full time which is really wonderful to have somebody on board right throughout the working week that can kind of um, interpret my ideas as they come to life but also be able to present their own ideas and help me create from their designs. Um, we have worked with an artist in the past, Hannah Fox, who was an Australian-based artist, and I fell in love with her art. I think I saw it on Instagram or somewhere on social media, and it just resonated with me beautifully. I loved the composition and I loved the colourings. Um, so we approached her and asked if it would be possible to do a collaboration and her produce something that was um, bespoke for us and then be able to turn that into a print design. And I love... I love the story that that enables us to tell and then once we have that print then that kind of spurs on the um, supporting prints in the collection as such and kind of the colour tone. So it's to me it's a it's almost when we're working with an artist, um, they I give them a brief but then their artwork almost provides the brief for the rest of the collection, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it calls, uh, call, forms a conversation. Yes. Yeah. Um so it goes so it actually goes text it actually goes textile as in the fab the the fabric and excuse my rudimentary term of just bunching all fabric into fabric. Cotton and rag cotton, is that a term? Rayon cotton? Oh Rayon. with silk. Okay, silk, silk yep. cotton and Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. Like, I, I know what they look like, and I love, I love the handle of them. But if I have to be naming fabrics, then I'm, I get a bit lost. Yeah. So that that actually kind of comes for, first and informs the garment, and then the and then you think of how you can interweave the the visual text, the visual yes. element of the textile. Yeah, very much so. So I'm not sure if that's um, the same way that everybody designs, but that's very much the way that I design. Can you tell us a bit about the textile design for your latest work? Then, when I say textile, I mean. The pattern. The print design, so yes. what's in store at the moment. Yes. So we've had Louise um, create the majority of the prints that are in store at the moment. So she, I've been working with Louise as a freelancer for a long period of time and she understands me as a designer and I really enjoy working with her and she has come on board with us um, in the last 12 months to be a full-time designer for us. So she has created the prints for us and she has a wonderful understanding of what aesthetic I'm after. Um when I give her briefs, they're not the most coherent of briefs, but she manages to understand what I'm meaning and she produces, she has a um, station downstairs in our workroom where she creates artwork, so she will have her paints and her paintbrushes and she'll she'll work on creating something and then she'll manipulate it in, um, on the computer in her design programs. So she... It's a process where she will work and um, show me and we talk about it and we talk about scale and we talk about colours and we talk about contrast and we kind of work back and forth, back and forth until we feel really happy with something and then we um, then send that out for sampling. So it's a it's a really fun process having her on board full time to be able to continually be creating work for us um, and she just understands what the brand's aesthetic is so incredibly well and she has such an amazing eye and appreciation for textiles that it's a really enjoyable process. That sounds like the absolute dream job to be painting and then designing and collaborating like that and have that hands-on balance with... Well I, lo- I love it and it's and it feeds me so her creativity feeds me and it spurs on kind of ideas in my mind and I likewise I think I inspire her and allow her to kind of be very individual in her creativeness. Yeah that's a wonderful element of creative partnerships like that. 
You've got an event coming up in Am- Amersfield later this month in November celebrating the bespoke Amersfield print that you've created for them, which is inspired by the environment. Can you tell us a little bit more about this year's creation? Sure. So we've been working with Amersfield for the last few years in terms of them being uniformed out of our current collections. Um, and more recently, we've been in conversation with them about creating something that was bespoke for them. They've got such a beautiful um offering down there and it's becoming very world renowned and it's I love being associated with Amersfield I love the environment I love the food I love the wine so so it's a really wonderful partnership with Amersfield when we started talking about creating a bespoke print for them quite often in our mainline collections I'm inspired by the environment that I spend time in so a few years ago we traveled through the desert in um, America and we created some beautiful prints out of that time that we spent there and so we were able to talk with Amersfield through that kind of inspiration process and they were really excited about what we could potentially come up with so we spent some time down there um, I love I love the South Island, I love Otago I love the um, tussocks, I love the schist walls that are everywhere and we conceptualised a beautiful print for them that kind of is influenced by the schist um, which is for those people that don't know kind of the beautiful block work down there and schist is a layered rock as such so it's kind of a brick um, layers and layers of bricks and so we we created a print that reflected the schist walls in the Amersfield vineyard um, and used colours that were complementary to the environment down there and we have created something that is iconically Juliet Hogan like it very much reflects who we are as a brand but also very much unique to Amersfield and it's going to be a wonderful talking point for them in their environment to be able to talk to their customers about the print that has been designed specifically for them and it's been a huge honour for me to be able to create something for them and so that was something that we worked with Louise on actually so she got out, out her paintbrushes and she hand created um, the the artwork behind the print and then we again manipulated it on the computer until we got it right um, but it's very cool. I imagine it would just completely enhance the experience of being down there as well to see people wandering around in such beautifully bespoke designs. Yes, and I think it does, they talk about what they have currently as well, that it does create a talking point to their cust- with their customer base and it's really nice to be able to further that story for them and talk about it being bespoke to them. And that's opening later on, in, uh, that's opening late in late November. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming in and chatting with me today about your insight into textile design and your heritage and what informs your practice. Um, For anyone who'd like to find more out about Juliet's work and her fashion line and the Amersfield launch later in November, please go to juliethogan.com. That's J-U-L-I-E-T-T-E-H-O-G-A-N.com. Thanks, Juliet. Thank you so much. Welcome. This podcast was brought to you by Anthem with the help of Liquid Studios. You're listening to an Artache podcast. Creative content from Artache.com.